On January 18, 1986, a plane carrying 90 passengers crashed in northern Guatemala. The cause of the crash is still unknown. The news barely registered in the United States. For most, it was forgotten after it was mentioned. Had it not been for the eight Americans aboard the plane, it would have likely not made the news at all. But on that plane were Dr. Robert Todd and Patricia, Patricia Sweeney. Robert and Patricia were investigating potential medical missions in Guatemala, which was in the midst of a long and horrendous civil war fueled by U.S. interests in the region, including anti-communism and fruit production. The Sweeney's wanted to do their part to help the people of Guatemala, just two young folks from Kentucky, 39 and 36 years old, respectively. Back in Cincinnati, their two sons, Tripp and Patrick, were seven and four, were staying with family friends, unaware that their lives were forever changed. It's any parent's nightmare. I met Tripp in Spanish class my freshman year at Vanderbilt. We were two boarding school kids who liked the outdoors and the arts, travel and all sorts of things that did not seem to interest the average Southern Southern fraternity guy that was at our university. Uh, Tripp was named after his father and his grandfather. He was Robert Todd Sweeney III, hence Tripp. I don't know if you guys knew this. That you're a Tripp if you're if you're the third. Um, apparently, folks who are junior or the second are Chip, as in Chip off the old block. Anyway, Tripp and I were fast friends. Um, and we've stayed really close. We just visited uh, his family up in the Santa Cruz Mountains a few weeks ago. Um, I'm also close with his younger brother, Patrick, um, who's in med school at Tulane. I stayed with him in New Orleans for a month in my winter pause on my bike trip that just happened to coincide with Mardi Gras. Um, but both Tripp and Patrick have followed their parents' footsteps and gone into medicine. Uh, both have a heart for social justice, and they're just incredible, incredible people and great friends of mine. It's hard for me not to think of Tripp and Patrick as I read today's passage. I will not leave you orphaned. When I read this, I think of the conditions in which many people lived when it was written. There were wars, just constant wars. There was illness. I mean, this is a time before penicillin and antibiotics, to say nothing of all the horrors that came, came upon the women in, as they were childbearing and, and giving birth. Orphans were much more common than they are today in our country. Globally, orphans remain common UNICEF estimates that there are 140 million orphaned children worldwide. Culturally, orphans are romanticized, 
they're ubiquitous in our film, our literature, our television. It's no coincidence that uh, the protagonist of the best-selling book and film series of uh, our times, Harry Potter, is an orphan. Uh, thinking of you guys. The feelings associated with orphans. Isolation. Loneliness. Vulnerability. Longing for a connection we know exists but cannot fully comprehend. These feelings are fundamental to the human experience. Songs like Gillian Welch's Orphan Girl, which we'll sing today, compare our longing for God and the beloved community with the loss of family and being an orphan. same time, there's this tendency within popular culture to romanticize the orphan in a dangerous fashion. Mary Beth and I are big fans of uh, Wes Anderson, uh, the film, filmmaker, and uh, just recently we were watching his film Moonrise Kingdom, in which Susie, a troubled preteen girl who loves young adult fantasy literature, runs away with Sam, a Cub Scout-like camper who has uh, been lost in the foster care system. At one point, Susie says, I wish I was an orphan. Most of my favorite characters are. I think their lives are more special. Sam, who's lost his parents, stares at her behind a wall of emotion and says, I love you but you don't know what you're talking about. Classic. And to the point. Of course, Susie, who is so caught up in the privilege of her family, so caught up in this romanticism she has, she doesn't even hear the second part. She just says, she doesn't hear that, I don't know what you're talking about. She just responds, I love you too. We jump so quickly away from the, you don't know what you're talking about. Our ability to see the suffering of others and respond compassionately is central to the Christian faith. However, it is challenging to do so without either romanticizing the suffering of others or losing our ability to be present to their experience. Perhaps this is why care for orphans is repeated as a concern throughout the entire Bible. As Walter Brueggemann points out, widows and orphans are the litmus test of justice in the Bible. Today, we have new challenges with orphans here in California. As many of you know, we here at St. Mike's are part of a burgeoning sanctuary movement, both within the Episcopal Church and beyond. That movement is slowly taking shape to respond to the unique and unpredictable political climate that has us all exhausted. I don't know about you, I just can't stand another headline. Somebody bring some sanity to this country. 
One main concern in this sanctuary movement is how to care for children whose parents are undocumented. Many children of undocumented parents were born in the country and are therefore citizens. However, if their parents are arrested by ICE and deported, what happens to those children? This is an area where our church community might be helpful. We are working on it. In the meantime, we look back to the followers of Jesus in the days around Jesus' death. And we relate the feeling of a beloved one who is suddenly gone. At Jesus' death, the disciples must have felt abandoned, scared, and alone. But Jesus made this promise, I will not leave you orphaned. He said, I will give you an advocate who will be with you forever. An advocate, like the children of undocumented parents will need someone to be with them and to help them navigate this world. The Greek word here is paraclete, which is also the name of the Yale Divinity School soccer team. Paracletes. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Little sting for you. Just get you back in the game. Get you back in there. (laughs) In a Christian context, the word generally means advocate or comforter. It appears in the book of Job in the plural and the negative to describe Job's friends who were not much comfort to him in his troubles. As a pastor, I see a lot of people who long for comfort, who long for God's presence. Many look around and say, where is Jesus? Where is God among the suffering and chaos of this political uncertainty of just life in general against the struggle. Where do I find God? Today, with that compass in free spin, Jesus gives us direction. He says, in a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live you will also live. Here we find the power of Easter. Jesus is resurrected. O death, where be thy sting? Jesus transforms our reality, the certainty of death and taxes. He says, this is real. I am real. Nothing can separate you from my love. Whenever you love, whenever you show love to your neighbor, I am with you. We tend to hear this passage in a negative way. Those who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. We hear that like we're either in or out. We're either taking up those commandments or we are failing and not part of God's love. 
But Jesus is talking about comfort. Jesus is trying to console us, to remind us that we will never be orphaned. Jesus is saying, whenever you love, whenever you love your neighbor as yourself, or love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, or open up to God's love in your life, or love your enemies, or pray for those who persecute you, whenever you fulfill Jesus' commandments, whenever you love, God is with you. As we look toward Pentecost and our celebration of the Holy Spirit, we know that the Spirit works through us all in unique and surprising ways. We all have our own comfort. And the Spirit drives us in all things to do things differently. That's the power of this passage from Acts. Paul is there with the Athenians, trying to tell them about Jesus. To, to do so, he speaks their language. He references their thinkers, the Stoics. He references their poets, their J.K. Rowling of their day. He references their religion, a shrine to an unknown God. This is the Holy Spirit at work, taking what others might have disdained as an idol and making it the passageway, the common language. Paul tells the Athenians, you actually know God. God is with you all the time. You just didn't know that it was God. Just like God is present for us. We may not identify God in the love others show us, in the love we feel, but God is present. I love the phrase, and particularly the signs. Have you guys seen those signs that um, they're associated with Carl Jung? And they say, bidden or not bidden, God is present. Apparently it's actually from Erasmus, but in any case, bidden or not bidden, God is present. You are never apart from the love of God. The comforter is always with you. The paraclete is always ready to run, always ready to find some new expression, something new that God could only do through you. Like their parents, my friends Tripp and Patrick have pursued medicine in order to help people. That concern for others might not take them to Guatemala, but they're forging their own paths. Trip makes art with pathogens and integrates the technology of Silicon Valley to teach kids about biology. Patrick works to provide healthcare for undocumented immigrants in New Orleans. Their parents could not have imagined that work, but they would be so proud of them. And their spirit continues in their children. We take the spirit of those who travel on, travel with us and pass it on. We are transformed by our time together, by the work that God is doing among us. 
and community. Today, we celebrate the work that the Spirit has done with and through Sarah Thomas, as she has been here at St. Mike's. We know that she will take the Spirit of this place and carry it out to others who need God's love. That is the work of the Advocate. The Spirit of God is leading us out into the world so that no one No one is left an orphan. Amen.